Welcome to the 95th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and alongside me, I have my co-host and lasagna chef extraordinaire, Adrian Pinter. How does it go, sir? How does it go? General Kenobi, it goes quite well. How are you, Simon Eady? I'm doing all right. Doing all right, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all right, man. Yeah, did you have a good week? I had an all right week as well. How about you, man? How was your week? Do anything exciting? Anything fun? No. Wow. That's good to hear, man. I didn't, uh, as I have not done for Mm. very, very many weeks. It's the same old thing for me. I see, my friend. As I uh, keep telling you, I don't have any uh, stories prepared for you. Um, But uh, what I do have, Adrian, is film and TV news, as I usually come prepared with. And... uh, Okay, yeah, give it to me. One of those pieces of news is uh, is a small little thing, a little tidbit. Liam Neeson was in an interview with comicbook.com of all places. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was asked because he's he's, uh, being interviewed because he's kind of on the press tour for Memory, the Martin Campbell movie, Mm -hmm. the action film with Guy Pearce and Liam Neeson. And basically what he was uh, asked about was um, whether he would reprise his role as Qui-Gon Jinn in the Star Wars universe. I don't know if you saw this, Adrian. I, I saw a brief thing about it, but not too much. I just saw that like he, uh, again, I didn't read the article or anything, but I, I heard that he just doesn't want to be a part of any TV shows. Am I correct about that? Yeah, basically. Yeah, he just doesn't, he doesn't seem to think that TV shows are worth his time, which I think is interesting. So it would be unlikely that he would be on a Star Wars TV series because he mm-hmm. doesn't like the idea of, of TV series. He was quoted as saying, quote, oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of wanting to be on the, on the uh, a potential reprisal of Qui-Gon Jinn. But then he said, if it was a film, yeah, I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to TV, I must admit. I just like the big screen, you know, mm. unquote. And uh, no, I don't know. Liam Neeson, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either, man. Uh, we, we are far past the point in which TV shows mm-hmm. should be looked up, you know, lo- looked at with a kind of snobbery, I would say. I feel like we're past that point in uh, in time. I feel like the golden age of television has come and went in a way. Not maybe it come and went, but it's come and stayed mm-hmm. and has gotten some really, really good content, whether it be... Westworld with Anthony Hopkins and Ed Harris, as an example. Mm -hmm. We got some pretty wild uh, TV shows like HBO Max uh, is actually at the forefront of this, especially with Westworld, but also with Game of Thrones and even like Big Little Lies with Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman. Like, uh, come on. Yeah. Or like even like Apple TV with um, like Severance as an example, uh, as an example with Christopher Walken Closet and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And John Turturro Mm -hmm. and... Uh, directed by Ben Stiller, and honestly, most of the most of the TV series for Apple TV Plus have like a crazy all star cast. Yeah, um, to be honest, so I feel like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's weird, <laughs> uh, especially considering I like Liam Neeson. I think he's great. Like, I think he's a good actor and everything like that. But the movies that he chooses aren't necessarily uh, premium movies for lack of a better term a lot of them are just kind of whatever movies you know what i mean like they just seem kind of bleh 
Um, some of them are, you know, like under like 10% on Rotten Tomatoes sort of thing. Um, like Battleship. Or or what was it? that Wasn't there a movie like The Blacklight or some shit that just came out, which was literally like 3% or 4% on Rotten Tomatoes? Was it that low? I don't remember that. Yeah, I feel like it was. Let me just double check for you. Was it called The Blacklight? I think it was like The Blacklight. Black Light, Liam Neeson. Hmm. Mm, it was 8%, sorry. It was 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wild. So it's just like, I don't know, it's it's weird to be taking that stand, especially when you're like the movies you're kind of in aren't really of high quality, at least all of them. And like not, not all of them, I, I should say. But a lot of them, I would say, are, are not of high quality. Um, but I'm also kind of thinking maybe this is just him trying to like throw off the scent. Uh, maybe he will be in this Obi Wan series that's coming up, and he's just saying this thing, like these things, to not ruin the surprise. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that people are lying about being part of a property and just saying a bunch of stuff to kind of like cover their tracks. I mean, you know, in in some actors in some of the recent movies that have come out, no, um, that you you know have denied being a part no. of it, um, no, like a crazy amount. You know what I mean, man? So I love Mondays mm. <laughs> and lasagna, Black. actually, to be honest. But anyway, yeah. I do love lasagna. I don't like Mondays. Though. Well, Mondays are my Friday usually. So I'm actually a fan of Mondays. Hey, Adrian, I was making a reference. I know I understood that reference, but I didn't want to spoil anything. Okay, good. Okay, good, good. Because we, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to give anything away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just uh, doing this to, uh, you know, like throw off that scent. What do you think about that, Simon? You, you think he's just doing this to throw off that scent or, or do you think he's actually not going to be in a TV show? Um, I, I think he's not going to be in a TV show. I don't think he was asked to be Qui-Gon Jinn again. That would be really cool mm-hmm. if he's in the Kenobi series, the six episode series coming out in May very soon. It's coming up, baby. Very soon, but we'll see. Yeah, I guess we will see, Simon. Yeah. I guess we will see. Yeah. Okay. But Simon, speaking of actors, yeah, um, there's an actor that we have spoken about uh, uh, for a couple episodes about this this particular character, Ezra Miller, who's you know um, been surrounded by some controversy uh, with him being like kind of arrested in Hawaii, which he actually oh, sorry, which they actually were just arrested once again, and that's actually what I want to point out is that Ezra Miller goes by they them pronouns, and. Uh, I know I definitely have misgendered them, and uh, I uh, pardon my ignorance. Um, I, I don't recall if you've said um, or misgendered them as well. So just apologies about that. I I am uh, ignorant to that scenario, and I didn't know that's what they go by. So I do want to just put that out there and correct myself, and uh, apologize for uh, you know being inconsiderate. But again, I I was ignorant to the situation. I had no idea. That they went by that. Yeah, I didn't know either, and I probably make this made the same mistake. Mm-hmm. Just to be clear, audience, we do show corrections every day, every day, every episode of our show to specifically point out mistakes we've made, and this is a mistake that I think we both made on mm-hmm. occasion. Uh, to mention Ezra Miller again, though, they were arrested again mm-hmm. in Hawaii, yeah, which is quite shocking. Like wow. you think, fool me once, kind of kind of situation. Shame on shame on you or whatever the phrase is, and then fool me twice. Fool me twice, shame on all of us. 
fool me twice, you're going to jail now for a little yeah. while. Like, I don't understand. Like, why? Why did you assault somebody again? Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's it's fairly evident that Ezra Miller is probably just going through some stuff mentally. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Something's a little bit off uh, with them. Like, like it, it's it's unfortunate, and I really hope they get the help they need because, uh, yeah, it's it seems very odd. Like, you know, you're at the you're in two huge Warner Brothers franchises with, you know, Fantastic Beasts um, and, uh, you know, the DC universe. And you're kind of just throwing that away. So, I mean, there must be some underlying issues with um, Ezra Miller. And yeah, hopefully he gets the help they need. And and uh, ideally, you know, they get to be back at the forefront. But, you know, I think Warner Brothers has, has even mentioned that they're going to put all of their projects um, on hold. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. It just made me sad. Cause I, mm-hmm. I kind of, I like Ezra Miller as the flash. I feel like when the DC fandom came out for the first year, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. that was one of the highlights of, it's weird to say that because there was not much of a clip for that, uh, new flash movie directed by Andy Muschietti, but yeah. they had Ezra Miller kind of getting excited and going through the history of the flash on that DC fandom event, like the the live event where a bunch of actors and, and creators kind of got together to showcase what they've been working on. And I, I kind of felt like Ezra Miller was very excited about mm-hmm. it. And I was excited because they were excited. And so that's kind of the, the cool thing mm-hmm. uh, about uh, Ezra Miller. I felt like they really cared mm-hmm. about the project. And now I'm kind of feeling like it's kind of going to be all for naught. I don't know how Miller is going to promote the Flash, if at all, when it finally comes out, mm-hmm. is it? Isn't it this year? The Flash movie's coming out. The standalone Flash. They delayed it. Remember, like we talked about it being delayed until next year. Was it? Oh, right. We did talk about that. Yeah. I just couldn't remember when it was delayed. If it was out of the year or not. Yeah, which is a really big bummer because that's like probably the DC movie I'm most excited for realistically. Yeah. That's coming up next just because I'm curious what they are going to do. I've said it many times before. I feel like they're going to use this Flash movie to reset the DC universe. And we talked a little bit about um, uh, what's the guy's name? The guy that came in from Discovery and is now like the CEO of like Warner and Discovery. David Zasloff, which we will talk about a little bit more in the show later, actually. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, How uh, he was looking into just kind of resetting like all the DC properties in the DC universe and stuff like that. And I feel like the Flash movie could be that sort of jumping off point where you reset it from there and, you know, bring in different actors and and you can just kind of reset a universe. But uh, I don't know. I'm I'm curious what's going to go down with all that stuff. Because again, that Flash movie has been—it's been in the works. When was that announced? Like fucking 2016, I feel like, if not even before then. I don't even remember. And yeah, I just feel like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of—I I, I, want to see that movie. I'm excited about it. It's cool. They're bringing Keaton back. There's so many cool little things that that movie's doing. And I'm a big fan of Andy Muschietti after those It movies. So I don't know. I'm fairly confident that movie's going to be great, but there's a lot of uh, stink surrounded uh, about that movie now, just because of you know the stuff surrounding Ezra Miller, which again is unfortunate. But mm. we'll see. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. Okay. Okay, man. Let's reach into that mailbag for a moment here, shall we? I've got another correction to go through, and uh, we ask our listeners to write into us with comments, questions, and corrections by way of email to spillfocuspodcast at gmail.com. And Sean Howes wrote into us once again. And he said, hey guys, 
Hey. With Adrian's love for Jared Leto, I thought I would drag his story on for one more week. However, this is a positive story about him. About me or Jared Leto? Leto. Oh, I'm not interested. Let's move on. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. He, he goes on because you can write into us about anything, audience, anything you want, and we will read it. Oh, not anything. You know the drill. It's incredibly disrespectful. We're not doing it. But anyways, Sean continued. Producers and co-stars had some great words to speak about, Jared, during the making of the Apple TV Plus show, We Crashed. Hmm. This, inspired by True Events Story, had its series finale this week, and this particular series ended really well, which we all know makes the show. This show is rated 66% by critics and 76% by the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. We Crashed creator Drew Cravello said it was, quote, comforting knowing the actors are taking it just as seriously as you are. You feel like the scripts and the production are in good hands. To work with people that are 1,000% committed to the work, you should be so lucky to do that once in your career, unquote. The crew became so incredibly accustomed to talking to Jared Leto, playing Adam Newman, that it was strange when production was over and he went back to being just Jared. We crashed, director John Requa later added, quote, he came into the room and I was like, who is that guy? Oh, that's Jared Leto. That's the guy I've been working with for six months, unquote. Hmm. These quotes were specifically sourced from website metro.uk. And Sean continued in his email. We crashed co-star Anne Hathaway recalled that she had been trying to, quote, find the voice for her character, Rebecca. But as soon as she heard Leto as Adam Newman, quote, he was like a tuning fork. And I just knew how to speak. It was, unquote, was kind of what she was saying. She continued by saying that, Quote, by the third take, we were improvising and dancing and just falling and just felt like that. And then we just, for six months, we just tried to honor that. We didn't really consciously do anything. We just kept opening and trusting and being really grateful to each other, unquote. This quote mm. was apparently from popculture.com. And Sean continued, to specify, it's nice to hear some positive notes about Jared's method acting, even though I agree that some of his over-the-top actions while filming have gone too far. To actually see what method acting looks like and some of the extremes that some actors will go, I encourage you to watch Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond on Netflix. With a critic rating of 92% on the Rotten Tomatoes, this documentary stars Jim Carrey in his role as Andy Kaufman in the 1999 biopic Man on the Moon. From driving a golf cart around the studio while intoxicated, to spitting in a wrestler's face, to meeting the late Andy Kaufman's kids as their dad, it's a wild ride, to say the least. That was... Sean's email. Thank you, Sean, for writing into us. Adrian, I'm going to throw this to you first because I've talked too much now because reading this mm -hmm. relatively long email. I would like to ask you, what do you think about this concept that Jared Leto seems to be pretty well reviewed on the set of Recrashed, at least from the, the producers and the creators' takes on his performance, and I guess from Anne Hathaway, who seemed to fall into her role as well because of Jared Leto. Are you changing your mind on whether this is a good idea. Because last week, obviously, we talked about Matt mm. Mickelson and him saying that people shouldn't really do this. Just go on set and act. Don't uh, don't be an asshole. But anyway. Yeah, don't be a dick. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I appreciate Sean for writing in. Uh, thank you very much, man. Um, and yeah, like, it's an interesting perspective. It's nice to hear that some people are viewing this in a positive light. But I don't know. I'm still kind of on the side of it. Like, I just don't like it. I, I just don't think there's uh, a, a like a, a totally like solid purpose to do that maybe it's great maybe it helped out Anne Hathaway in this situation but I feel like almost it does more harm than good with at least Jared Leto in particular 
So I don't know. I'm I'm not a huge uh, like I, I I understand where where the, this positivity is coming from, uh, you know, from these creators and from Anne Hathaway directly. But it it doesn't really change my opinion on just how ridiculous Jared Leto in particular is with his method acting and however the top he can get and, and just like how far he takes things. Again, I, I keep on bringing up the set of Suicide Squad and how ridiculous that was and how like again you do that at literally any job you'd be fired now. The Jim and Andy, the great beyond um, thing that Sean's pointing out is is, is a good one, actually, because um, I think, yeah, Jim Carrey definitely took it too far with that role. I didn't get to watch. I watched some of it, that documentary. I feel like I fell asleep. I, it was a, I remember watching it when it initially came out. I don't remember if I watched all of it or if I fell asleep partway through it, but I remember it being very great and like a very awesome documentary. But I think Jim Carrey has gone on to say that he kind of regretted doing that. And like he feels remorse for how ridiculous he was acting then while he was, you know, method acting is that like and honestly, just the idea of him like method acting as Andy Kaufman while meeting Andy Kaufman's real children is that's just mental. Like <laughs> that's 100 percent taking it too far. Um, but alas, like uh, I don't know, I, I still like Jim Carrey uh, and Jim Carrey's an interesting individual. Um, and honestly, I think he's obviously grown over the years, like over the past, like however, like 23 years it's been. And, um, again, he, he's, he's come out and said that he didn't really like it if I recall correctly. So I don't know, it doesn't change my opinion too much, but at the very least, I'm glad that, uh, he wasn't like Jared Leto. It wasn't being a huge dick on the set of we crashed and it actually helped the production itself. What about you, man? So here's my, here's my deal. Okay. Um, I feel like I should have maybe clued in sooner. And, uh, and my brother helped me clue into this. This is not what method acting is. And I don't know why there's many articles online, etc. Some of these big publications claiming that this is method acting. Method acting actually doesn't entail this nonsense. Um, method acting is basically just a way of acting in a way that you use your imagination to become the character in the moment that the cameras are rolling. Not after or when you take it home with you or any of that. That's not what method acting was initially supposed to be. Sure, you can maybe incorporate that into method acting, but the use of the words method and acting together in, in this kind of term, like Stanislav, Stanislavski and Lee Strasberg made method acting basically what it is, arguably, and you can throw in some other names to who developed the actual practice of method acting. But the idea is to put your mind and body into a, a state in which you imagine yourself to be that character. You imagine what it would be like to be that person, whether you're using real life experience that you've experienced and using those experiences to become that character, that's, that's one way to do it. Or you can maybe just imagine it based on what you believe it might be. Even if you haven't experienced that exact thing, you're using, again, like experiences that you experienced to become the character and putting yourself into that person's shoes is perfectly as possible and really thinking that you're them not outside of the shoot not off stage if you're a theater actor mm -hmm. that was the not the idea and in fact i think it was lee strasberg that said i think it was lee strasberg that again one of the fathers of this kind of method he specifically was saying that eh, this is actually not super effective to take it off stage we've tried this and it actually doesn't make it any better in fact in some cases it made it worse <laughs> like you might not have actually made your acting uh, better, you might have actually hindered your ability to act appropriately by taking it off camera and pretending you're, you're Adam Newman 
at home as mm-hmm. an example. So it's kind of an interesting concept. I like the idea that this particular situation was positive, but it seems like these are fringe characters. Even Daniel Day-Lewis, who obviously is a method actor and he does some of the best acting work that the world has ever seen, potentially, especially on film. I don't think that Daniel Day-Lewis, he is a method actor for sure. I, I I would argue that that's the case. But I would also argue that somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio, whom I claimed last week was not, is also probably a method actor. But a method actor that does it in the way that was initially stated. If you're a good actor, you're probably a method actor. Probably Mads Mikkelsen's a method actor. And in fact, that article by GQ, it claims that method acting is a culprit, but method acting is in parentheses almost the entire time in the quotes. Hmm. He never says method acting as far as I saw in the GQ article. So he's misquoted, actually, which I find to be very interesting. There's like a buzzword situation with method acting because I think it's... They think the audience reading these articles might think it might be, might be simpler to just call it that, which I think is kind of neat. Yeah. But sort of trifle with maybe what some might think are technicalities, but this is kind of kind of important a little bit because I feel like there, there might be like people who are like acting coaches or actual like actors who have done method acting, method acting for, for real for years that might be like taking issue with this quietly they're like that's not even method acting these people are just buffoons <laughs> like they're they're taking this way too far if you know what i'm saying yeah definitely but uh i just wanted to point that out because it, it brought it bothered my brother and when he heard us talking about this as if it was like synonymous with method acting because he took act, acting courses literally to teach him method acting and it, none of them said go home and like if you're if you're a, like a serial uh face slapper go slap everyone when you you go home you know your, your character's the serial face slapper jerry don't go home and then slap your freaking your dad in the face that's not what they tried to teach that's all i'm saying so anyway well, thank goodness that they're not teaching that at acting classes i was worried yeah yeah even me i i swear i knew this too like i, I took some acting ta- classes in university because i was in theater studies for a while, which I've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And I swear they, they had mentioned this and I just feel like I, I forgot. But it's just, it's the over top, over the topness that I feel like it's just so outrageous. But again, it can help some people's performances. You haven't heard, I at least haven't heard of too many situations with Daniel Day-Lewis offending anybody. But I definitely heard of situations where Jared Leto has, and that's kind of the issue. And I think that Adam Newman as a character is less outrageous. Yeah. And as a result he hurt less people's feelings and didn't like offend as many people because of the fact that Adam, Adam Newman, the guy from We Crashed, um, that Jared Leto is portraying, is not... <laughs> a blind paraplegic. Right. Blind person, a paraplegic. Uh, like, what, what else did he play recently that was ridiculous? A, a, in la- like a serial killer with clown makeup. Well, I think, wasn't it? Um, I feel like I remember reading something that uh, he didn't method act on that set. Yeah, that that movie where he was acting um, like a serial killer um, or that he was a serial killer or something like that. I think that was like one of those movies where he didn't actually um, like method act. Because if I recall correctly, the one with like Denzel Washington and uh, Remy Malik, I'm pretty sure Denzel Washington. Yeah, the little things. Yeah, the little things. I was referencing the Joker, but yeah, clown makeup, oh. but yeah. Oh yeah, good call. For sure. For for sure. Yeah, that's another one that I feel like, oh, I didn't know that. That was that's the case. So he yeah. wasn't allowed to method act on that film? Well, I don't I don't know if he wasn't allowed, but I think like Denzel Washington didn't have like time for like Jared Leto's method acting on that set. 
So I think that was okay. like one of the sets where Jared Leto actually didn't method act. But let me Google yeah. this. That's interesting. Mm. I just wonder if they would have just been separated because they were on a – from my understanding from the trailers, they're on opposing sides. Yeah. Like one of them is a villain and the other ones are like police officers. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. But I feel like – I don't think he would have had to ne- – would have had to have time and honestly denzel washington probably method acts is, is it was part of my my point that i was trying to make but yeah looking it up honestly i i don't know how accurate that story is because it's like the when i search that up it's like from websites movieweb.com which i'm not too familiar with but the second website's like we got this covered and then there's screen rant and then mm. there's uh the things.com which seems very reliable oh yeah for sure <laughs> so many things uh, Den- and and looper.com Comicbook.com is actually there, so I don't know. Oh, comicbook.com. Yeah, you can use that one. Yeah. So it says that he wasn't allowed to method act? Um, a lot of it was oh, just like, the Little Thing star Denzel Washington addresses Jared Leto's onset antics. That's from uh, comicbook.com. Um, oh, yeah, he, he told USA Today he didn't do any of that with me. Nah, he'd have been paid a visit. That wouldn't happen. <laughs> Talking about if Jared Leto were to method act, so. I don't think that's what he's referring to. He's just saying that you didn't send him friggin' a rat in a box. <laughs> well, that's good. I think that's what he's saying. I hope so. I don't know. It's just stupid. It's just it's it's over the top nonsense that he's almost doing for publicity. He's like almost doing it for attention. Again, I think Denzel Washington method acts. I just want to yeah. There's, I'm trying to set the record straight because there's so many of these publications like the Hollywood Reporter, the like Variety, etc. I mean, yeah. write into me if you think that that's not correct. But I'm pretty sure like this term is being used incorrectly now. It's just being like it's been misused like for many years. And Daniel Day Lewis had a unique style of method acting that it seems like Jared Leto has learned from and tried to develop on his own to try and become the be- greatest actor of what he, I guess what he thinks is the greatest actor of his generation. Yeah. But, Anyway, yeah. here's what I want to say. One last thing about this before we wrap say this it. method acting chapter up, unless somebody writes into us again about it. But this is the one other thing. I listen to a podcast called Smartless. It's a good podcast that I'm sure you might, listener, you might already be listening to because it's uh, it's very well known. But it's Jason Bateman and Will Arnett and Sean Hayes. And they do a podcast and they have guests on. They had Kate Blanchett on, who's genuinely an incredible actor, as many believe. And it's, mm-hmm. it's obvious. She's amazing. She said specifically that when she is the lead actor on a on any movie, that when she gets to the set, she's the lead. Her job is to make everyone feel welcomed and comforted and make them feel like they're they're kind of building like this nurturing environment uh, that you can make mistakes on together. And I, I just, I, I found that very interesting because when you think about what Jared Leto is doing when he's on set wheeling around in a wheelchair to get to the bathroom <laughs> and, and taking 30 minute bathroom breaks, <sighs> I don't think that's creating a nurturing environment. And that's the biggest thing. And I, and I kind of agree with that as a concept of having been a leader in my particular job and seeing what a good what a good leader looks like whether it be anywhere whether it be at a job or maybe a leader of a country i just don't think that this is building a nurturing environment where people can do their best work and i think that that is the biggest problem with this and i, I was just thinking about that recently is that you should be able to just when the cameras are rolling jump into character that would be what may, would make you a very capable actor having to do this out of set or even during 
craft service, when you go to the table and start filling up your, your plate, I think is kind of makes you a bit worse mm-hmm. than others. It depend potentially, not necessarily, but if you need to do this so widely, maybe you need to be trained a bit more. I, I'm not sure that this is necessary because also you can't communicate with people as well. You can't make it clear to another actor who's a guest star, perhaps somebody who's not on a show like uh, we crashed for very long and is just joining the cast for a brief time and maybe not as experienced as you are. You can't be welcoming to that person because you are some other person. Yeah. And that's the thing that I thought was like, I don't know. That was a very compelling moment. I connected. She didn't talk. There was no talk from Kate Blanchett about bashing anybody about method acting, by the way. There's a clearly no on smart list that has nothing to do with that. But I just thought about that concept of, yeah, that would make sense if you're the lead actor, especially mm-hmm. if you're a lead actor who's got a lot of experience like Jared Leto or Kate Blanchett, obviously. But yeah, anyways, I just thought that was an interesting kind of tidbit that I, again, I wish Jared Leto could understand that. And I, I think that Anne Hathaway, because she's not probably doing the outrageousness that Jared Leto is doing on set, that she's probably the one who takes up the that situation on on a set like we crashed. Maybe she's the one comforting new uh, new actors coming on set and things like that. Maybe the like talking to the the extras a little bit more or whatever. And and a good director is obviously the leader of the set overall. Certainly that's obvious. But I feel like that the lead actor kind of sets the tone. I think, and that's a, that's an important piece that I feel like is kind of missed mm-hmm. when you have somebody pretending that they actually are the Joker. Because I don't think you'd be very, I think you'd be pretty intimidated. It's like, oh, this guy's in it. I better not mess up. So, Yeah. If I went into work and some guy was acting like the cho- Joker, I would leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know that, but you, people were expecting him to act like the Joker. But I think my, the key word here is I feel like it's a bit selfish. Yeah, definitely. That'd be the word I would use. That's a good way to put it. It's not supportive. Yeah, that's a good cherry on top of this whole saga. I, I also like to point out too. More, I feel like whenever you listen to like oh. any of these uh, actors uh, talking about like Marvel movies, they're always like, "That was a really fun experience. We collaborated on this really fun Marvel movie." Morbius is not a good movie, and honestly, <laughs> I wonder. If the reason why that is, is because no one's having a good time because Jared Leto has to wheel to the bathroom for 30 minutes. That's a, I think that's a fair point, honestly. I don't know. It's, 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 just, it's just ridiculous because he can't support the rest of the cast. I think that's the, that's the issue. Yeah. And uh, sorry, he wasn't wheeling to the bathroom. He was crutching to the bathroom for 30 minutes. He, when he got the wheelchair, he sped it up by a large amount. So fucking ridiculous. But they, the fact that they had to get him a wheelchair to speed up, the speed, speed up his Ugh. travel. It's just, again, you have to wonder, like, how annoyed were the people on set when they're editing? Like, let's think about the film editors, the sound mixers, when they're editing and they're like watching Jared Leto. I would think that some of them are like, oh, this guy. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 100%, man. The guy who made us go over every day by like at least an hour because he had to crutch to the bathroom. Yeah. For no reason. Like, it's not like he needed it. Are they paying hourly? In which case, I'd be okay with it. But if it's salary, I'd be so fucking annoyed. But even then, think about your own workplace. Do people like staying extra even if they're being paid hourly? No. Yeah. No. I know. They want to go back home to their families. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Again, I can't say that this is what happened, but I feel like when you nurture a set, everyone's feeling welcoming, welcomed, and they feel like they can 
they can again create a really fun environment, one that's not a laughless movie like Morbius was. Like there's very few laughs, but I don't know. It's la- it's laughably bad in my opinion, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, Ken. Again, sorry. Again, Morbius is not the worst movie I've ever seen. I I, I don't want to again s- saying sorry to Ken, I guess, cuz Kenneth Stadelbar was a individual who writes into our podcast on a weekly basis generally. He didn't this week, but I would say that uh, we've been a little harsh on Morbius and he does like it. I don't hate Morbius. I just feel like it's one of the worst in the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, of films. It's just not, there's nothing original really. Very little original. Maybe I I said sorry and then bashed it more. Did I just do that? Sorry. Yeah, you did, but it's (laughs) okay. That's not what I was trying to say. I'm just trying to say like they could have done a lot more with it and they didn't. And that's the question. There's a question of why. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, is Jared Leto good in Morbius? Yeah, I think Jared Leto's been good in a lot mm-hmm. of his roles. And you don't like Jared Leto, but I just from what I'm saying here, I'm just kind of saying maybe he doesn't need to go this far. It's okay if he wants to to do this kind of fringe method acting, just like it was okay for Daniel Day Lewis to do it. But it wasn't necessarily, I would say, definitely not okay for Jim Carrey to do what he did. Don't spit in the face of people who are working on a film. Mm-hmm. That's just unacceptable. And so, treat people with respect out there, fellas. And gals? Yeah. That's a good way to end this. <laughs> that's what you said like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, okay, Adrian. That's uh, that's all I got to say. Thank you to Sean for writing into us. I appreciate the other perspective. Adrian, you know who didn't method act on his films? Who? Simon. Actually, you know, these people probably all method acted. I'm just talking about The Northman, which is a movie we just Ooh. watched. And I'm imagining Alexander Skarsgård probably method acts in the in the traditional the way you're supposed to be method acting. Willem Dafoe, who's also amazing in that movie. Ethan Hawke is in that movie as well. You mm-hmm. got Nicole Kidman, who's amazing in The Northman too. We watched The Northman together at a Cineplex, our local Cineplex. Anya Taylor Joy, Simon, you can't leave out Anya Taylor Joy. Oh, she's so good. Anya Taylor Joy is amazing in this film. She's so mm-hmm. good in every movie though. Anything she's I been know. in, whether it be uh, a Queen's Gambit or. Um, the, the Witch, I'm sure she's amazing in The Witch. I haven't watched The Witch. Oh, dude, she's so good in The Witch. Um, she's slowly becoming one of my favorite actors, honestly. Yeah, she's really good in Split. Oh, so good. Yeah, anyway, point is, The Northman is an amazing movie, and I think you would agree. Mm-hmm. It's uh, basically about a guy named Amleth in the, you know, way back in the day when uh, Vikings exist. Amleth... Uh, what he's looking to do really is he, he, he's, he's looking to avenge his father and yeah. uh, save his mother and um, simply uh, kill Fjolnir is what he's yeah. trying to do. Exactly, man. As the tagline of the film says, that, that's what he's doing. That's the plot of the movie right there. I just explained it to you in a nutshell, mm-hmm. quick synopsis of what he's planning. And that's how the movie goes from there. His father is murdered. He wants to avenge him and his mother is taken. By Fjolnir, and he's going to take Fjolnir down. Yeah. And so he was a boy when this uh, event happened. He grows up to be Alexander Skar- Skarsgård. And uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> obviously Alexander Skarsgård playing the older version of Amleth. Yeah. Not like he transformed into an actor named Alexander Skarsgård, who probably method acts. Just saying. Yeah. He literally, he killed like so many people while, uh, while being on, uh, like in this movie with axes in real life. Simon. Method axes, method yeah. axes. Oh, that was a good one. Uh, method axes. I thought that's what you were saying. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So my point is this movie is amazing and the cinematography yes. in it is really, really incredible. Like the, 
the darkness of it, of the overall, like the, the bleakness of it is for really amazing. Director Robert Eggers, man, he's got a, he's got a unique eye that I would mm. say is, is evident in the way he, that he makes movies. And like, there's just one scene that's also an incredible one shot action sequence. Oh my God. Quite early on in the film that was just so well choreographed. There's so much going on. And I was like, pretty amazed in theaters. I was like, whoa, I didn't see a one-shot action sequence come uh, coming my way. Just because, I mean, we watched The Lighthouse. I don't remember there being very, very many one oners. You know what I mean? There weren't that many one-shot takes. Definitely not, one Simon. Shot, not one-shot takes, but one-shot kind of like extended periods. Yeah, I was going to say there was, there's absolutely no one-shot action scenes in, in The Lighthouse, period. Well, um, well in, in general, just one-shot like 10 minute sequences. I don't remember that happening in the yeah. lighthouse. Although the lighthouse is amazing. Another, another amazing film by uh, Robert. Robert. Eggers, but yeah. But yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. I think the, this movie is, is genuinely brilliant, man. I really, really loved it. I thought, um, like you said, the cinematography is phenomenal. It's like a masterclass of cinematography. Um, the way, uh, it uses kind of like these like long shots zooming in on characters slowly but surely and seeing every character's emotion so deeply is very well done. And uh, the fight choreography is just so freaking good. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with how well the cinematography is as well. And like you mentioned, that one scene that goes on, it's like, yeah, like a 10 minute like fight scene, like a raid, essentially. It's fucking badass as shit dude and that's actually one of the things i wrote in my notes this movie is so fucking badass and cool as shit that was literally like one of the notes i wrote down about this because it really is it's a goddamn masterpiece of a movie man i think the acting from literally everyone involved um even like the kid actors who i i've mentioned it many a times i hate children actors i hate children period but um, <laughs> I thought they were really, really great in the film. Um, and the story itself um, is quite interesting and quite surprising. And eventually, at a certain point in the movie, I kind of clued into like what this story is, you know, um, I guess about. Um, where it kind of, I was like, oh, damn. But it does so many unique things that I was still at the edge of my seat this entire time. My eyes were literally glued to the screen. Like the, the entire two hours and 20 minutes literally. of this movie. Jesus just, Christ, what kind of glue did you use? Dude, uh, super glue. There's no brand called super glue. Gorilla glue. Okay. Gorilla glue. I use gorilla glue. Is that better? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it is better. The specificity was making you sound like you were lying. So. Yeah, sorry. I was using gorilla glue, Simon. And it was like literally glued to the screen, my eyeballs. I left them at the theater. I, I still don't have them. Oh, shit. I got to go back tomorrow and pick them up. Yeah. But um, one thing I also want to add about this movie is not only is the cinematography and the, the choreography brilliant, the audio in this movie is so good. And I think yeah. a lot of that had mm. to do with us watching it in the Ultra AVX, which is the audio visual experience that we have, like these theaters and Cineplex. It's not IMAX, but you know, it's big screen and amazing sound, like Dolby Atmos sound. And 
the sound in this movie is just so good. It's so loud at moments and also so quiet at other moments. There's these, you know, I, I think about like the beginning of the movie where you hear like almost whispers and it's like coming behind you in the theater, like to your right and then to your left. And it it's like very creepy and almost eerie. And again, these like large, these loud, like, buildups to like specific events that occur in the movie. And like when the action is happening, the, you hear, you know, the blades like clanging against each other. You hear the people screaming in the distance as they're getting like their intestines ripped out while like, you know, Vikings are like tearing them apart with axes. It's just, ah, man, I was just enthralled the entire time. Like I was, I was just into it. Like I, I, that entire two hour and 20 minute movie, I was just into it. I was sold on it and I, I didn't really want it to end. And when it did end, I was like, man, this is a fucking wild ride. This is great. This is so goddamn great. And it kind of goes to show of like how Robert Eggers is. He's honestly one of the great up and coming like directors, him and Ari Aster's are like probably my two favorite, like more recent directors. Um, Ari Aster, uh, you know, being the director of Midsummer and, um, um uh hereditary and it was kind of cool to see because at the end of the credits in um in the northman is uh robert eggers actually like has like a oh like special thanks to specific people and ari aster was one of those people i was like oh man it's so cool like these two guys they're like they're up and coming they're they're brilliant they're they're amazing they're making the these top tier movies and again i'm just sold on everything that's uh gonna come from robert eggers as well as ari aster um and I, I really did love this movie, man. I thought I, I like it's like to me, there's nothing wrong with it. I can't think of a single criticism in my personal opinion um, of this film. Yes, it's pretty awesome. I like how they dealt with like the supernatural elements too. Mm-hmm. like there's a there's a grounded nature to the way they did. They did it. There's this one. I'm not going to spoil anything, of course, because we don't spoil things on this podcast. That's not that are not in the trailer. But the one thing I would say is that there's this one pan sequence I think you might know what I'm talking about, Adrian. This yeah. one uh, specific, like a camera pan from right to left in this like cavern type setting. Mm-hmm. And it's just, uh, it's so good. It's just so amazing. And actually this movie in that scene, that actually that shot in particular reminded me of, of this movie, but there's other elements that remind me of this. Uh, another movie I'm going to mention right now is, is the green Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, I feel like the supernatural elements in the green Knight as well. They kind of, although more magical the green knight is a little bit more magical in the in its subject to matter i felt like the green knight's grounded grounded attempt at magic was kind of refreshing it was really neat the way they did that and uh yeah david lowry is the director of the green knight i actually i'm excited for david lowry's next movie too mm-hmm. to be clear just because i feel like they're, they're kind of they share their similarities especially in terms of their pacing in terms of like a slowish, slowish kind of burn, but there's also something to say about the Northmen's uh, the way they use subtitles to like. I feel like it built up the action, which I really appreciate. Like they did like chapter kind of. It's just like almost like mm. chapter select. They showed like the titles of various chapters of the story. Actually, the Green Knight did something similar, if I recall. Um, but when the Northmen did it, I just felt like it was just building and building and building every single chapter that was like listed on screen with the, like the subtitle, I was like, Hmm, this is got This is getting pretty hairy. It's, it's getting, it's getting more and more exciting as the movie goes on, which I really appreciate. So I just thought that that was really brilliantly done too. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's a masterpiece for sure. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. I really liked it. Yeah, me too, man. Also, Alexander Alexander Skarsgård is like a beast in this film. Oh, dude, he's so fucking cool. He's so built, though. Like, he's like, clearly he put a lot of work in to get that, get in that shape. Get that physique. I just recently saw him in Succession, too. So I was like, oh, there's a very, very different character here. That's for sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, man. Anything else you watched this week? Anything else? Ooh. I kind of went into the what we've been watching segment in a kind of unorthodox way this this time. Yeah. Um, well, Simon, I do want to do a little update. So last week I mentioned that I was watching How I Met Your Father. Yeah. And how I watched the first three episodes of that um, series. And, you know, I was like saying I don't really like it too much, but I like, you know, the characters were kind of growing on me by the end of the third episode. There is, I think, eight episodes out now, and I've actually watched all eight with my girlfriend. Oh, okay. And I'm going to say I quite like this show, actually. It's growing on me quite a bit. Oh, all right. I think it it's, doesn't start off particularly great. I don't think the pilot episode's all that great. And again, it's not being reviewed too well, but I'm curious if the reviews are more positive as this as the season has progressed because again like as the show is kind of going on i'm i'm starting to like these characters more i'm i'm starting to laugh more i think the jokes are a little bit funny i think it does kind of fall into the trap of some of the jokes being like kind of corny you know there is a laugh track which how i met your mother Mm. also had but it's um it's still good like i don't know i i I quite like it and i'm kind of excited to see where it goes it's it has been renewed for a season two which i'm 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 happy about, and I think there's only two more episodes of this season. But if you're a fan of How I Met Your Mother, um, you're you're a fan of just sitcoms in general. I think this show is actually worth a watch. I'm I'm switching my tune from last week where I said that I don't think it is. Um, it's really ba- badly reviewed by critics. Let's just to be clear. Yeah, it is. Which um, again, I I I'm gonna guess most of those reviews were coming out when the show initially started because I don't think the first ep- again the pilot episode I don't think is particularly great. I would argue it's probably the worst one. And then even the second episode, I was like, eh, I don't really like it, but it you know. And then by the end of the third one, I was like, I'm kind of liking it, I think. And then again, after watching these next five episodes, I'm I'm kind of on the like I'm on the side of like I actually do like the show and it, it does a lot of cool things. You did watch all ten. There's only eight out right now. But I'm going to watch all 10. March 15th was the last episode, episode 10. Timing is everything. Oh, on Disney Plus, it's, I guess, two episodes behind. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So maybe on Hulu, it's ahead. But yeah, on, on Disney Plus, uh, it's only up to episode eight, at least here in Canada. No. Well, I guess, yeah, it would only be here in Canada. It's odd. March 15th yeah. was a long time ago. It's true, actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> I don't know, man. Are you sure? I'm certain, dude. I'm certain. I'm pull- yeah, like hundred percent. Because it like on Disney Plus on the banner it says new episode weekly, huh. like every Wednesday. Disney Plus. Oh, weird. Okay, so it must be a star thing, like a Canadian yeah star thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, thirty six percent of Rotten Tomatoes, fifty four percent audience score. Mm. So, not beloved no. right now, but I do like it. Like we'll see if that changes. I do like it, and I hope. Uh, at least in the direction it's going and like, you know, the jokes that it's setting up and how these characters kind of interact with one another. Like I, I'm, I'm excited to see where it continues going. I like it. I like it. And I, I, I would recommend it actually, like, especially if you're a fan of how I met your mother. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. What else have you watched, man? Well, I also watched moon Knight mm. uh, episode four. Yeah, me too. But I'm not going to spoil anything about moon Knight. but I will say about moon Knight episode four, what a great episode. I really liked it. And I, I feel like I'm engaged. I'm very, uh, they've got me. They grabbed me by the, by the horns. They, they, they have me 
at least to a point where I'm interested and intrigued for the rest of the series for sure. And I kind of mm-hmm. was intrigued from the beginning of the first two episodes. The third episode I feel like was I felt like was the shakiest, but then the fourth episode I feel like it kind of changed my outlook of the entire series. So I'm I got to I got to have a bit more faith. I just haven't had too much faith in the Marvel series cuz I feel like they don't stick the landing. Will this stick the landing? I don't know. But I can't wait to see, wait and you know, I can't wait to find out basically. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't want to stick on Moon Knight too long, but uh, I kind of agree with you. I think this fourth episode was the most interesting, and I'm definitely curious to see where it's going to go. But again, there's only two episodes left, man, and uh, I feel like there's a lot to cover in two episodes. So I don't know. I'm going to keep my expectations in check and not be hopeful, but I do agree. I think this uh, fourth episode was the best one out of the four that we've seen. Um, but yeah, again, I don't want to talk about it too much. We'll, we'll dive into it once it's all done, but I did like this fourth episode. Cool. Yeah. As well that I'd like, I'd just like to point something out. Moon Knight is ending in two weeks, right? Mm -hmm. We're on episode four. It's done. Yeah. Uh, There's two more episodes left, which worries me because it's like, well, how are they going to wrap this up? Uh, Which is what we've been saying since the beginning, but regardless of that, they've got two hours. So let's hopefully hope for the best. But my point is about that. They've got two more episodes left right after those episodes air. Actually, I'm trying to think now. Yeah. It literally will be. Yeah, because um, May 5th is when Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness comes out. Correct. And the question is, did they time something with Moon Knight with multi with Multiverse of Madness? That's the question that I have. I have because Doctor Strange in, in the Multiverse of Madness was pushed back, if you remember, audience. I do. It was literally moved. Specifically, after the Batman had an- announced their date, they moved Doctor Strange. So people thought, oh, they don't want to be launched in and around the Batman because it's a superhero tentpole film and they don't want to have another superhero tentpole film. From- like D- Disney didn't probably want to go up head to head with the Batman, even though they were going to launch, I think, a week or two weeks apart. They- it seemed like that was the reason, but maybe, just maybe, there's a connection between Moon Knight and Doctor Strange. I don't know if that's true, no clue, but I just wonder about that just a little bit. I don't know if it, you do it too, but I definitely wonder. Uh, I think it would be cool if there was. I definitely wonder about that with Hawkeye and yeah. Spider Man because a similar thing happened. They pushed mm-hmm. the dates, and then there was some small connections between the two. So, you know, you'd have to watch both to to know what I'm talking about, audience. But there were some small connections between Hawkeye and Spider Man No Way Home. And there was, a again, a date push. I think date push for Hawkeye was that they launched two episodes at once and they didn't initially plan to do that. And uh, it seems strategic. And I'm wondering if this is a strategic move as well because of the timing mm-hmm. seems so perfect for the series end for Moon Knight and the premiere of Doctor Strange. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued about that. And uh yeah, after I remember you mentioning that whole Hawkeye thing, and I was like, "No, they're just they just did that so it finishes by Christmas." And then I was I ate my humble pie, Simon. So I'm hoping you're correct about this as well. I, I would like I would like that to be the case. Well, that one I feel like I had a good inkling as to why the connection might exist. This one's all over the place. Doctor Strange could literally go anywhere in the multiverse. So I feel like that is kind of the only connection I can think of for Moon Knight. But I, I had a feeling that the Hawkeye series would connect. To no way home in a very specific way, and I was kind of right. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know about this one. 
I feel like this one is kind of more up in the air, but I, I, I guess we'll find out. But Adrian, I don't know why we didn't segue to this right away, but we literally watched The Northmen, which is about Norse mythology in some way because mm-hmm. it's about Vikings. It's true. And we also saw a trailer for a, a movie from Marvel that's literally about Norse mythology, and it's Thor, the Thor Love and Thunder trailer, uh, the movie being directed by Taika Waititi. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we didn't just make that segue so easily. But anyway, Adrian, the first trailer for Thor Love and Thunder was released. What did you think? I thought it was really good. Again, I'm a big Taika, uh, Taika Waititi with, oh my God, Taika Waititi fan. I loved Thor Ragnarok. I think it's uh, in my top five MCU movies for sure. If not, you know, in my top three, like I, I adore that movie. I think this trailer for Thor Love and Thunder is awesome. I think it looks really great. It didn't reveal too much. I don't really know what the movie's going to be fully about, you know, we saw the Guardians in it. We saw, you know, Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie in it. We saw Korg in it. I'm uh, I'm stoked, dude. I'm very stoked. And I think this trailer was badass as shit. It was great use of music, great, um, you know, like great shots brought into it. I, 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 I'm curious where the story's going to go. Again, there's the reveal of Natalie Portman's um, Natalie Portman's Mighty Thor at the end of that, which we kind of knew was going to happen anyways, because I think they revealed that on like a Comic-Con slash Fan Expo sort of event thing way long ago. But I thought that reveal was really cool. I think this trailer is great. I think this is a top tier trailer and I'm very excited for this movie. Um, What did you you think, Simon? What did you what you Simon? What did you think? Uh, I liked it. I liked the trailer, but I don't agree with you that it didn't. Give away too much because we don't know what's in the movie. This is the same thing every time oh my God. with all of these Marvel movies. That's a lot to reveal. They revealed a lot, man. You just listed it. You just said what they revealed. It's a lot. Why? Why do we need all that? That's my question. Mm. Do we need to know that the Guardians are in it? Well, we, we knew that see... already. If you watch the end of Endgame, you know that the Guardians are going to be in it. You For how probably... long? We don't know. We don't know anything. We have no idea. They could do anything. There's a lot of time has passed between this... Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think you're a little bit too picky with trailers. I'm going to be honest with you. I think you're a little bit too picky. I, 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 Is that so? Because I feel yeah. like you were the one who pointed out, I don't know, I'm going to call your, out your contradictions again. Like last week, uh, many weeks back, you pointed out specifically the Shang-Chi. You had a problem with the Abomination being in it. In the trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, I mean. That was your call out. And, yeah, but uh, I'm just following up your exact sentiment from that week because that was the that was a very minimal thing in reality. They kind of gave away a lot in this. Well, the reason I thought I, the reason I had an issue with the Shang Chi thing is because we had no idea that Abomination was going to be in it. We can assume that the Guardians are going to be in this movie as well as Korg as well as Jane Foster because it was like at the end of Endgame. Spoilers for Endgame. I know. It's. It, it, I feel like we can kind of talk about it just because the MCU is like ongoing. But Thor literally leaves with the Guardians, so why wouldn't this movie pick up with Thor still with them? They're just gonna be like, oh, actually, yeah, Thor left the Guardians. No, they're obviously gonna show that. Yeah, I guess. Whereas we had no inkling that Benedict Wong's character Wong, funnily enough, his character is literally Wong, uh, was gonna be in. Um, Shang-Chi or Abomination like that like that yeah I guess what about the hammer the hammer is now pieced together it's a lot it seems like a lot but I I guess maybe I'm wrong I don't know yeah it seems like quite a bit in terms of the way it was put together that was awesome but uh 
yeah, I, I don't know that they had to reveal that many characters in one trailer. But maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe there's so much more. The reason why I'm saying that, by the way, is not because I'm saying that it did spoil too much. I'm saying we literally don't know because we didn't see the movie yet. Just like I'm saying with Shang-Chi, we didn't know how much that was because that was literally not even a reveal at all. That was the littlest, the smallest reveal possible, really, for that movie. Mm-hmm. It was almost like you had to squint to see it was Abomination in the trailer. You also had to squint to see it was in the it was him in the movie. I feel like it wasn't even that big of a thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that you don't know until you watch it. I thought that for sure, undoubtedly, they revealed too much in the Spider Man No Way Home trailer, the last one. That was completely unnecessary in every way. Um, but anyway, that 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 was kind of my my two cents on that, which I mm. expressed on the lead up to Spider-Man No Way Home. But you obviously disagree. I think you disagreed with that for sure at the time. But yeah, I I like retroactively like disagreed with that. Like after we like we watched the Spider-Man No Way Home, I was like, actually, I don't feel like that trailer showed too, too much. That's my point. You can't know if Thor Love and Thunder revealed too much because you haven't seen the movie. Yeah, that's the that's kind of my point. They didn't reveal gore like Christopher Bale's gore. The villain that's good for. But this is the first trailer. Yeah, that's true. They will reveal gore. Mark my words. Gore in Thor 4. Remember this, audience. Episode 95 is when Simon said Christian Bale's gore will be in the second trailer. (laughs) Of Thor 4. Thor 4 with gore. The fourth Thor. Anyway, okay, Adrian, should we move on to the news? Nah. Okay, that's too bad, Adrian, (gasps) because we're moving on anyway. Let's begin with a small collection of more focused stories that Adrian has deemed the most topical this week. Number one, as followed by publication The Hollywood Reporter, Netflix reported an approximate 200,000 subscriber net loss for their 2022 Q1 earnings report released last week. They dropped from 221.84 million to 221.64 million subscribers during the first quarter of 2022. For context, this is the first net subscriber loss in over a decade for the ever-popular streaming juggernaut. As a result of this drop in subscriber numbers, Netflix is now looking quite seriously at stopping the practice of password sharing between households. They estimate that approximately 100 million users are breaking the rules by sharing their passwords between households, with 30 million of these users residing in Canada and the United States. As we discussed a couple of weeks back, Netflix has started a pilot program in Chile, Peru, and Costa Rica that would encourage out-of-household users to create paid sub-profiles in connection with the original paid Netflix account. Netflix appeared to estimate on their recent earnings call that it might take a year before they commit to a concrete program globally that will tackle the concerns behind Netflix's 100 million account freeloaders in a competent fashion. As publication Vulture has reported, Netflix's recent Q1 loss of subscribers has also potentially resulted in the firing of Netflix's Director of Creative Leadership and Development for Original Animation, Phil Rinda, with many animation projects also having been scrapped. The adaptation of Roald Dahl's The Twits and the adaptation of Jeff Smith's comic series Bone have each been cancelled, among others. A spokesperson for Netflix commented that their focus is to capitalize on animated content that subscribers actually watch, like the DreamWorks produced Netflix licensed film Boss Baby. <laughs> oh my God. Who's watching Boss Baby, Simon? Um, I guess lots of people. Jesus. Based on the numbers. The data don't lie, Adrian. The data don't lie. What the fuck? That's, that's ridiculous, man. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, 
Simon, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a couple things about this. All right, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. You ready? Oh, I am. I think Netflix blaming people for sharing passwords and saying that's the main cause of them losing a hundred million or sorry, uh, losing so many users, two hundred and twenty-one million of them. What is ridiculous? Because I think they didn't lose two hundred twenty-one million. They only have two hundred twenty-one million. Adrian. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, losing the two, sorry, losing two hundred thousand. My apologies. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Subscribers. Which um, they probably lost more. To be clear, they lost the net of two hundred thousand subscribers. Mm, to be clear, for that. Okay. Quarter. Fair. Understood. Is, Which is the first time they've lost any subscribers in history. 10-year history, I should say. Yeah, it's interesting. But I think that, like, blaming it on the password sharing angle is ridiculous because I genuinely believe Netflix was built upon people sharing their passwords with one another. I think I think that was really the main thing. That I think that's what made Netflix so popular among so many people, people sharing their passwords and then, you know, getting into that content and all of that sort of stuff. And I don't, I, I don't even know, like, I can't think of a single person in my life that has, like, been like, oh, I'm going to cancel my Netflix. Can I just use yours? Or, like, even heard people talking about that in just, like, day-to-day life. I just, I don't see that connection. Maybe maybe they are seeing that. You know, they, they obviously have that data. They can see, like, different IP addresses and all that sort of stuff. But I think that's not really the case. I think the main issue with Netflix losing this many subscribers is that there's just not as many compelling TV shows on the service anymore. There's, there's a lot of great stuff. Don't get me wrong. I think there's amazing things on there. I love Ozark. I think Ozark's brilliant. I think stranger things is brilliant. Uh, You know, there's a lot of really, really great shows on there, but I think a lot of what Netflix produces is also total garbage and they're just kind of, floundering at this point when you have you know streaming services like disney plus as an example and hell man i'd even say apple tv right now coming out with banger after banger um or shows that are being just you know either universally watched or or loved um and i think where netflix is kind of failing is just that quality of content like ensuring that their content is top tier and and they're and they're releasing stuff to make people come back and it i i hate to say it i think i think i mentioned this like actually a a few weeks back or however many weeks back that i don't imagine netflix is going to switch to like a weekly release cycle but it's almost seems like they're gonna have to recalibrate and then possibly switch to a weekly release cycle because a lot of people after the the, these announcements were made and how they were you know stopping a bunch of their animated content etc so on that a lot of people were like fuck it fuck it i'm just going to cancel my netflix account because again that price increase just happened as well and then them wanting to implement this like weird added you know like i'm going to charge people um for you know sharing their account a lot of people just were like actually you know what fuck netflix i'm going to cancel this and a lot of those people that said that they were going to cancel it were like i'm just going to wait for the next season of something to drop i'll pay for a month watch it all and then cancel it again so I wouldn't be shocked if Netflix honestly switches over to that weekly release cycle, which I would hate. I would really hate. Um, and uh, I don't know. I find this this kind of uh, 
silly. I, I think Netflix keeps on just shooting itself in the foot. When you're when you're going up against more and more competitors, I feel like you have to make yourself more appealing, not less appealing. And what they're doing is literally making their content less appealing because they're increasing the prices. You know, Netflix in Canada is $22 a month, hmm. right? You're, uh, again, I, I, I point out Crave being, Crave with HBO being $20. Yes, there's less content on Crave, but it's HBO. HBO is known for their high quality content since like however long since before I was even fucking born. You know what I mean? And you're literally charging people more money for that for Netflix story than home box office where you can watch things live as they're airing and HBO max, obviously pumping out more and more content, uh, you know, with even, you know, like shows that are coming out, like the last of us series come out or, you know, these like, hugely popular shows like game of thrones that they had and euphoria most recently being their you know one of the second highest watched hbo shows of all time and then them coming out with that new uh, game of thrones spinoff there's there's so much content on other streaming services that what netflix is doing in increasing their price and making them be like making themselves less appealing by possibly stopping password sharing and shit like that i think i think it's a, the wrong move and i can see netflix uh Flandering more and more, and I wouldn't be surprised if they start canceling more shows that might be more costly and possibly. I mean, it might benefit us um, if they start curating their content a little bit more um, and ensuring that the things that they're coming out with is of just high quality is something that you know I guess more people would watch, which isn't necessarily a good thing. But I don't know. It's it's interesting. All this sort of stuff is interesting, and you know they lost what like twenty five percent of their like market share with like this announcement, which I mean, like is, is it 35, 35, holy fuck, which isn't necessarily, I think that's the most that it tanked to tank like 35% the stock did, Mm. um, once they kind of made this announcement. Oof. Yeah, that's brutal. Um, which I mean, isn't necessarily like, I mean, it's obviously a bad thing, but it's not like, um, like it's happened to other companies, of course, but, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting thing. And I think Netflix is playing a dangerous game. Um, I'm really curious to, to, to see what happens with it and like what decisions they're going to make, um, to hopefully bring more people back to make them more appealing. I don't know. It's interesting. What do you think? Well, here's one, one thing. So at the end of this little blurb here, I, I added it on, I tacked it on about the fact that they are, they fired the, the Netflix creative director for animation, mm-hmm. uh, Phil Rinda. He was fired. Yeah. So when he was fired, there's a few uh, like few publications that kind of commented on this and seemed kind of disappointed and whatever. But uh, they, their comment was, "We're gonna make things that people actually watch, and we're gonna try to focus a bit more." And I think that's what you just said, Adrian. So maybe they made a good move in this regard, because yeah. I don't think it should just be happening for animation. But you have to question. We we've talked about this before, and you just kind of mentioned it just now. Crave and HBO Max, which are arguably similar because Crave is just the Canadian counterpart to HBO Max that's mm. licensed by Dell. Um, did I say Dell? Yeah, you did. I certainly did. Bell, Bell, which is a huge telecom company here in Canada and um, has licensed the HBO content and the Warner mm. Brothers co- content for the most part. But um, but yeah, they have got a lot of quality, but not as much quantity as you mm. just said. Netflix is a lot of quantity. They have a lot of quality, sure, but it's kind of buried under a lot of quantity. Mm-hmm. And I don't 
know that this damn race that they keep trying to do of creating so much content that there's just so many shows at this point that no one can possibly watch them all. It would be like literally it would be your full-time job to try and watch every show, TV series, just forget about movies that all of these streaming services are putting out. It'd be impossible to do, I think. Yeah. There's not enough time in the day. You'd have to run Netflix at two times speed <laughs> to get it to go. So you have to think like maybe this is a good move that they should be uh, cycling out some of these options and just try to make it so that Netflix is creating just quality. Mm-hmm. Maybe a lot of quantity of quality, but you, like HBO and Warner Brothers are focused on. But uh, that's a question that I feel like I I should uh, I po- oppose to you. Do you think that they should just have more, Adrian, boss babies? No, definitely not more <laughs> boss babies. Uh, well, Boss yeah. Baby's not even made by them, to be clear. So that, that that's a weird one because Boss Baby was like, I'm pretty sure a theatrical release. So to use that as an example, it was uh, kind of funny. I thought that was a little bit comical. Well, but. no, the, it's they have a Boss Baby show is what they're talking about. Is it? Yeah. It's a Boss Baby TV series. Oh, okay. So I, m- I must have misread that. I'm sorry. Then when, yeah. I, when I wrote that in there. Oh, it's good Boss to know Baby that. back in business. There's four seasons. <laughs> no way. That's popular, eh? Damn. Uh crazy how's there four seasons jesus christ four seasons already of that that started in 2018 that's nuts Mm. wow boss baby it's very popular yeah they didn't bring in like the original cast though because like in the original cast of the movie it's like alec baldwin lisa kudrow jimmy kimmel steve buscemi miles bakshi toby mcguire and then in the Boss Baby, Back in Business, the hit TV series. It's J.P. Carliac, Pierce Gagnon, Kevin Michael Richardson, Alex Cazares. Just a bunch of people. No, None of the movie people are in that. So I don't know. It's interesting. I didn't see that. I really didn't see Back in Business in the – like specifically in the uh, article I read. Um, Boss Baby. I'm just looking this up real brief because I'm curious if Boss Baby is listed on this Vulture article. Although the article was initially on the wrap. Yeah, it just says Boss Baby. It doesn't say anything about Boss Baby back in business. Maybe they're referring to both? Because is Boss Baby the movie also on Netflix? I'd imagine it is. Boss Baby the movie is also on at least Canadian Netflix, but it's not a Netflix original. Whereas Boss Baby back in business. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> Yeah. Whereas Boss Baby Back in Business is a Netflix original series, Simon. But no, Boss Baby Back in Business is Boss Baby Back in Business a DreamWorks animation production. It is, but it's a Netflix original DreamWorks animated production. Then it's probably just licensed then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's possible. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. Because just to be clear, some of these things, I think House of Cards was one of them, was not made by Netflix initially. They bought that show. Mm-hmm. It was basically up for licensing, and they basically purchased it as exclusive and as an exclusive for Netflix. We talked about this many weeks ago. Like they, yeah. they licensed it. Like they didn't. Some of these shows, I think, like Stranger Things was one of the first. I think that they actually made themselves with their own production dollars. Like they produced it, mm. which means that they don't have to pay rights. I'm fairly certain that's what happened with their the Duffer Brothers original series. Anyways, whatever. Point is, I, I just want to I want to clear the air a little bit. Adrian, something happened. There was a war uh, in Ukraine by Russia. There were sanctions placed. Many mm-hmm. companies cut their support for Russia. There were 700,000 subscribers in Russia for Netflix. Yeah. 
yeah, those are gone. So we got 200,000. So that would, that would arguably mean that they gained 500,000 at least, and they lost, um, 700,000 Russians, 700,000 Russian subscribers because of what happened uh, with, with the sanctions. It doesn't, it doesn't ex- like it looks like they're losing they're losing across the globe uh subscribers regardless of whether they had to do this to russia uh, or they chose to do this to russia i should say but that is something to consider is my point i feel like that's an important piece but it does seem like as you mentioned the word floundering that they are floundering that they are scrambling at the moment in a lot of ways like they seem to be having I don't know. The pressure is on. HBO Max, Peacock. I know everyone's so scared about Peacock. You got uh, you got Amazon Prime Video. You got uh, Tubi. You got so many options that are just coming at them hard. You got Roku. You got Roku Channel. You got CNN Plus. You got C- yeah. That's really going hard against Netflix. Yeah. No, but there's like so many of these damn streaming services, and they're all making this crazy content at a breakneck pace. And uh, there, here's Netflix, the original, original streaming service, that's um, kind of hit their cap, and now they're panicking. So their their response is quickly, quickly. There's no time, quickly. And then they decided to fire Phil Rinda, but they also specifically are saying that the answer to this is to cash in on the hundred million users, thirty million of which are in Canada and the U.S. that are password sharing between households. Yeah. And um, again, I mentioned this weeks back when we talked about the fact that they are implementing a pilot in Chile, Peru, and Costa Rica to try and curb the password sharing. That I personally, if this happens, will probably cancel Netflix and resubscribe, and then cancel it, and then the resubscribe when shows that I really like to watch come up, come back, because my family is sharing Netflix because we used to live in the same household and used to all share the password. So we were following the rules. But over time, the, the first of all, the amount of money has doubled since we started paying for it. Like it's literally doubled. We all watch it the same amount. We all used to live in the same, same building. I guess that's, that really matters to Netflix. Um, but now we don't live in the same building. We're still sharing Netflix and the, I'm paying double the price. But I, we still all watch Netflix probably the same amount because there's so much content out there. But my point is, if they were to do this, if they were to charge me more or try to make it so that I can't password share out of host household, I'd be like, okay, no problem. Thank God I have a reason now I can tell my family, hey, guys, I'm actually going to cancel Netflix. You guys can subscribe on your own. I will subscribe again when there's a show like Stranger Things Part 2, Season 4 or whatever coming out. See what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, man. I'm not even threatening. I'm just being realistic. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm just going to do that. I'm almost excited. I actually kind of want them to do this. I don't want to spend $22 a month. I haven't watched the Netflix show, I feel like, in like Ozark. a few months. Oh, wait. Did you watch Ozark? Oh, yeah. Ozark. Yeah, Ozark would have been the last one, which I finished a month ago, I guess. Mm. So I could have canceled it after, after Ozark, but I didn't because I just can't. My whole family is yeah. using it. Ozark's back this week with its finale. It's final. The final season part. Final seven. Yeah. Final seven episodes. Anyway, uh, that's my my two cents. So let's see. I'm curious what they're going to do, but you're right. They're just, they're scrambling and they need to figure out other ways to, I think there, there's an issue too. Like there, there were some of the creatives that were making these animated series were actually complaining that um, the Netflix just doesn't support them enough. Like their shows, especially the more obscure ones, aren't being marketed nearly in enough mm-hmm. time. 
that they actually have enough support to feel like like they they're going to get enough viewership to you know make it worthy for them to have a second season or third season or whatever. And I feel like that's true. I, honestly, the Netflix shows they get announced like quite late in the game, at least for the the dates. Even the movies, like you're like, oh, that movie's coming out. Did you find that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I think there there are the like there is the odd show or whatever where they'll announce ahead of time. Um, and give like a decent marketing push. But I think the vast majority of TV series and movies are just kind of, hey, it's here. It's here. Like, I, you know, I talk about the movies releasing every single week, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of Netflix original movies on that list. Right. How many times have you heard of those movies before me talking about it the week that it's releasing? <laughs> it's 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 rare it's infrequent but some of these are for foreign films too like that i might not have had on my radar anyway yeah but it is strange because we literally talk about it every week mm-hmm. like we go through the news so you'd think we'd know some of these movies up ahead of time anyway but they're like there seem to be like purposely under the radar because netflix has not done any press releases about directors hired or anything so yeah yeah it's it's puzzling although just to be clear, we did just complain about the Flash having been announced in like 2018 and still have not have not been released. So I want somewhere in the happy medium is what I'm saying. I don't want them to say like a month before, hey, this is coming out. But I also don't want them to give us four years of heads up is what I'm saying. I want the happy medium or I guess five years in the case of the Flash. Yeah. I feel like that's when we heard about the Flash movie. I think it was like 2018 or like at the earliest, I feel like 2017. I I feel like I don't know when did they announce all those fucking DC movies when they're like we're making a cyborg movie we're making a Flash movie I feel like that was it like was earlier it was like a uh, Comic Con I feel like it was 2016 it was like leading up to Batman v Superman maybe <laughs> yeah that's crazy isn't it yeah it's like we we have this on the radar but we have we have like with this on our 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 plans this is on on the in in the cards but we have nobody hired at all we have no idea. When this is coming out, it could be 10 yeah. years from now. Anyway, okay. I think we've said a lot about this story. And I'm curious how it develops. But Netflix seems to be in bad shape because there's a lot of streaming services mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Simon, real quick, just to, just to add, they apparently announced those movies in 2014. Oh! Yeah. But then they announced some of the movie, some movie on there. Like, wasn't Green Lantern on there maybe too, though? Yeah, it was the Green Lantern Corps movie. Um, yeah. So it was like movies that never even were going to come out. Which I think is being made into a TV series, if I recall correctly. Like, this is like a lesson. This is like the same thing as like video game, video games. Like yeah. they're announced way too early. Mm-hmm. And then you wait for them and you're like just everyone's so hyped about them for so long. And then it becomes like this stupid hype train for like years. And then it comes out and it's just like, wah, wah. So this is kind of a stupid <laughs> strategy, in my opinion. But agreed hopefully david zaslov has a better better plan for the future but we're going to talk about that soon so let's get into something else before we get into that number two as reported by publication variety sony pictures recently made some tweaks to their upcoming film release schedule arguably the most notable move was the delay of the animated spider-man into the spider-verse sequel spider-man across the spider-verse from its october 7th 2022 release date to a june 2nd 2023 release date instead. This animated feature following the Shamik Moore voiced Miles Morales has also dropped the part one from its title, despite the fact that part two of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has also been redated for March 29th, 2024. 
Sony has also scheduled the Spider-Verse live action Dakota Johnson starring Madame Webb film for July 7th, 2023, which will follow their live action Craven the Hunter movie currently planned for a January 13th, 2023 premiere date. Additionally, Sony just announced an Antoine Fuqua directed Denzel Washington starring follow-up for the Equalizer franchise called The Equalizer 3. Wow. The new action film is currently scheduled for a September 1st, 2023 release date. Adrian, what do you make of the Sony Sony release slate moves? I think that we just talked about how things are announced too early, but also yeah. sometimes too late. This Spider-Verse movie might have been announced too, a little too early, but anyway. Yeah, man, it's kind of disappointing because originally it was supposed to come out like a month ago, if I recall correctly, like March or April of this year. And then obviously it got pushed back to October. Yeah. And then now all the way back to June. And it's super disappointing because I'm very excited for this movie. They already released that trailer for the movie, which is especially weird too. Um, it's yeah. it's giving me like Batman v Superman vibes where they released a trailer like three years before that movie even released. So it's um it, it's a little bit unfortunate. Now, if if they're really like they're delaying this movie to make it perfect, to make sure the animation is phenomenal you know all that sort of stuff then whatever i'm i'm okay with it i'm fairly confident this movie's probably going to be great and you know it's uh if sony's going to put care into at least one of their you know um <laughs> superhero properties that they are themselves developing it should be the spider-verse movie um slash movies um because obviously like it literally won an oscar like into the spider-verse one best animated feature at the oscars so they they have something special there and they shouldn't ruin it um with the you know like the madam web you know movie being slated for as early as next year that's kind of surprising to me because you know we've just kind of been hearing about like who they've cast and all of that sort of stuff and again i'm going to bring up morbius which i'm not a fan of uh, sorry ken i'm not going to bash it any further but like morbius was announced like fucking three years ago too and we had like however many trailers for that movie too now obviously covid uh played a factor in in those delays but it's a uh, it's a little bit um I find it interesting that it's it's so close, uh, especially that Craven the Hunter movie, which I feel like we haven't really heard anything about other than Aaron Taylor Johnson being cast as Craven in that movie. So I don't know. I'm 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 honestly intrigued at what Sony's going to try to do with their live action, you know, Spider Man Marvel Universe thing that they're doing because right now i think it's just fucking garbage and i think it's just like a complete mess i'm 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 curious how they're going to try to course correct and fix this sort of universe that's going um yeah like honestly that those are my main thoughts also the equalizer um i think that's a phenomenal name for the third movie the equalizer three brilliant oh yeah absolutely brilliant for sure incredibly intuitive yeah gotta appreciate intuitive uh naming structure it's arguably Adrian- my name for a third movie uh not mine but yeah okay cool glad you're so happy about it uh Mm -hmm. adrian i gotta correct you here we've talked about the craven the hunter movie like five times have we at least on the montage and i feel like you just weren't paying attention and um i never pay attention simon yeah well that i know uh but ariana debose is in it from west side story she's playing calypso russell crowe is in that movie fred heisinger i think we announced every single one of these casting decisions alongside Aaron Taylor Johnson, who's literally playing Craven the Hunter. Mm. So just to be clear, <sighs> yeah, we definitely talked about this. 
You may not have picked it as a main story, Adrian. Yeah, it's probably just because I don't care. But uh, it was in the montage. That's for sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. Which is the sequence of our show in which you specifically comment on the smaller news stories. Yeah, where I go, ah, or ah, oh. like that. Yeah, that's exactly the only, and yeah, that's the only things you say mm-hmm. when I talk about the mo- the ten montage news stories. That is, that's the only responses you give. It's ah, or oh. Ugh. That was, that was a perfect impression of what you just said. Dude, that was brilliant. But yeah, uh, Christopher Miller on Twitter specifically said that the Spider-Verse sequel, um, they're, they're, they're delaying it. I, I shouldn't say specifically because I don't know, remember exactly what he said, but he, on the long, along the lines of he's a right, one of the writers for that, mm-hmm. for that movie and the first one. And he specifically, I keep saying specifically, but he, he said on, on broad strokes, he said <laughs> that it'll be ready when it's ready. We're like, we need more time to put love and care into it, basically. Yeah. Which reminded me exactly of a video game delay, which I thought was very funny. Yeah. Because you don't see that very often with films. Although initially the delay to October 7th was because of COVID. Now it's not because of COVID at all. It's just, uh, I, I'm sure there's just, uh, they didn't anticipate how much time they still needed. And so they had to delay it for yeah until June 2nd, 2023, which is a huge delay, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, eight months. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, I'm very excited about that. But yeah, you're right. Having having seen the trailer in multiple movie screen theater screenings, like going to the movie theater and seeing it, like in the like in the in the trailers portion of the the film, like we saw, we must have seen it like four times. I mm-hmm. feel like we go to the movies kind of often, but it's kind of odd to see that. Like we definitely saw it from Morbius mm-hmm. when, we went, when we went recently, but more like Snorbius. That was actually probably the most clever diss to Morbius with its name that you've done, but thanks. Still pretty weak. Anyway, let's move on to the next story. Number three, as Variety reports, new streaming service, CNN Plus, is shutting down only a month after it launched. The service had garnered around 100 to 150,000 subscribers for its sixth dollar a month service offerings, which executives believe was a solid start to attaining their first year subscribers goals. But with the Warner Brothers Discovery merger having just taken place and new leader David Zaslav taking over for former Warner Media CEO Jason Kalar, CNN Plus was deemed to be not in line with their current business strategy. CNN Plus apparently cost millions of dollars to launch with veteran talent like former Fox News anchor Chris Wallace having been scooped up and certain news agency executives poached from various competing news organizations in order to create a rock-solid news platform in a massively competitive landscape. But CEO David Zaslav was apparently not pleased that Jason Kalar insisted on launching CNN Plus about a month before Zaslav was given the keys to his new castle. Zaslav has been adamant about wanting to consolidate all of the collective Warner Media and Discovery streaming platforms underneath one big umbrella. That means that Discovery Plus, HBO Max, and CNN Plus were potentially all going to be linked via one big streaming platform. But unfortunately, as a result of legal reasons, Saslov's previous ties to the Discovery side of the business prevented him from vocalizing his strategy to the Warner Media folks prior to the completion of the massive Warner Brothers Discovery merger. And the rest is history, I suppose. Adrian, what do you make of CNN Plus shutting down a month after they spent millions of dollars marketing it? Simon. Yes? What I think of this is that CNN Plus has now taken the crown from Quibi for the shortest-lived streaming ser- paid streaming service. 
So good for them. Yes. It's true. Good for them. That did happen. I'm proud of CNN for doing that. I think it's brilliant. I think it's amazing. And uh, congratulations to all involved in CNN Plus. Honestly, it's a uh, it was a hard um, hard thing to beat to beat Quibi, um, and they did it. They they successfully um, did it, and I'm proud of them. I'm very proud of them, Simon. Um, also, who who the fuck was subscribing? Why would you subscribe to CNN Plus? That's so weird. I don't know. I don't what do you know. mean? If you don't have cable, it's perfect. I guess so. There's uh, also the concept of like if you want your news and you like you you they also like spent so much money on some of the talent like it wasn't just like Chris Wallace yeah. like there's other people who were hired on specifically to head up certain shows on CNN Plus like original content for CNN Plus specifically much like HBO Max has originals they were gonna mm. have CNN Plus originals and they did Chris Wallace like lined up um, some. Big person from the White House, as an example, um, recently actually. Obama. Obama doesn't work in the White House anymore. Oh. Obama is retired. But I don't know if you know this, but Obama is not the president of the United States currently. Oh damn! It's wild. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, wow, it's crazy. Mm. Newsflash. Anyways, yeah. So that's uh, that's that's who would watch that. People who wanted to watch these exclusives potentially, and honestly, hundred to one hundred fifty thousand subscribers. Some people thought that was very weak and some people thought that was strong. But mm. the truth of the matter is they shut down because David Saslov's strategy was not this, that that was not what they wanted to do. And the fact that they spent so much money doing this when they knew they were merging, it seems kind of careless mm-hmm. and such a waste of resources. And that's my only take on this story. But you picked the story. So I imagine you've got more to say than good for them <laughs> for taking the cake of being the the streaming service canceled first. No, Simon, that was actually the main reason I chose the story. I'm not even being facetious. Are you serious? Yeah, 100%. I wrote this whole thing and did all this research so you can say that shit? Yeah, actually. Wow. Your disrespect knows no bounds, Adrian. It does not. You're like Jared Leto. How dare you? Don't you dare. Taking crushes to the bathroom every day. What? When he can walk perfectly. I I don't understand the connection, and I disagree. Hashtag disrespect to your coworkers. That's all I'm saying. Okay, that that is a connection. That's fair. I'll. Uh... What do you think I'm saying? Like <laughs> trying to put two and two together. You, uh, you lasagna making buffoon. I, I, that was rude. Wow, I do make lasagna. It's really good lasagna. Yeah, I wouldn't know. My lasagna was delicious. Yeah, I made. Um, I've been baking a lot of bread. As of late. Good for you. I think I mentioned it. I I baked some focaccia a few weeks back. Yeah. Went on a little focaccia binge. And then most recently, I made a a tomato bisque, Simon, from scratch, which isn't a type of bread. It's a type of soup, a roasted tomato bisque. I made it. Adrian. And let me tell you, it was delicious. I asked you how you were at the beginning of the podcast. I asked you what you've been up to, and you didn't say anything. And now you're going to derail this podcast with with a story about tomato bisque. It was delicious. It was really good. I, I really outdid myself with that. And then during that process, I made like a, you know, a artisan style crusty bread. He's still going. And it was really good, man. You dipping that in there. And then uh, I also made bangers and mash. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Happy to hear that. Okay. I'm glad. 
Excellent. All right. Now onto the montage, a sequence of our show in which I briefly present the week's smaller news stories as Adrian delivers a brisk verdict. Number one, as announced by 300 director Zack Snyder on Twitter, his new space opera film Rebel Moon has officially started production. Oh. Number two, as reported by publication Deadline, Disney Plus has renewed the Proud Family Louder and Prouder animated revival series for a second season. Oh. Number three, as Publication Variety reports, Candyman director Nia DaCosta has been hired on to direct the film adaptation for author Tenahisi Coates' recent 2019 novel, The Water Dancer, which is being produced by both Brad Pitt and Oprah Winfrey. Oh! God damn it. Number four, according to The Hollywood Reporter, the Goodwill hunting screenwriting duo of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are planning to co-write and star in a film about the historic deal that saw basketball star Michael Jordan sign with sneaker company Nike in the 1980s. Ben Affleck is also looking to direct this new Amazon Studios produced feature. Huh. Number five, as website Collider reports, director M. Night Shyamalan's 15th feature film Knock at the Cabin has officially started production. Ah. Oh. Number six, as Collider reports, the Chris Pine, Hugh Grant, Michelle Rodriguez, and Reggie Jean Page starring Dungeons and Dragons film has officially been titled Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. The new film is being directed by Game Night directors Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly and is set to launch on March 23rd, 2023. Oh, I'm actually going to break that bit. Uh, I, I feel like I did it long enough for those first five. Um, oh, no. You do you think so? Oh. <laughs> It's it's interesting because Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, my immediate thought is like Uncharted because Uncharted 2 is called Uncharted 2 Among Thieves. You broke the bit for that comment? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to continue. Number seven, according to publication Vanity Fair, CW Longbottom actor F. Murray Abraham will not be returning for the third season of Apple TV Plus's game developer workplace drama Mythic Quest, despite his character's incredibly well-regarded story arc from season two. That's too bad. He was really great in that show. Number eight. As Deadline reports, John Wick screenwriter Derek Kolstad has been tapped as screenwriter for a new Streets of Rage film adaptation. Streets of Rage is a side-scrolling video game series developed by Sega that follows former police officers fighting a crime syndicate. Oh, okay, okay. Interesting. Number nine. As Variety reports, Production has halted on the set of the Aziz Ansari-directed comedy film Being Mortal due to reported inappropriate on-set behavior from lead actor Bill Murray. Uh, that's too bad. I'm curious what the inappropriate behavior is. I know Bill Murray is, like, notoriously known for being kind of shady to work with, but that's too bad. Number 10, as followed by The Hollywood Reporter. Dune actor Jason Momoa has been cast in the live-action film adaptation of popular video game Minecraft which is set to be directed by Napoleon Dynamite director Jared Hess. Uh. And that concludes the montage. Uh, uh, uh. Montage. Wow. That was, your reactions were pretty awful. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah. Appreciate that. You're a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You're very welcome, Adrian. What do you got for me, my friend? What do you got for me? Simon, I got new releases for you. Do you? And there ain't too much coming out this week. Yeah. There ain't too much oh. coming out this week. So let's make this quick. You ready? Okay. 
you know, rapid fire. This is for the week of April 25th to May 1st. That's a Monday to a Sunday as per usual. And the first movie that's coming out is coming out on Tuesday, April 26th. It's a movie called Hostile Territory. This confirmed my movie inside on the Apple TV app. It's a video on demand movie about a man that journeys across the Wild West to reunite with his children, Simon. Wow. Mm-hmm. Would you journey across the Wild West to reunite with me? Are you my child? No. It's just me. The Wild West isn't, I would have to travel back in time and live in a yes. 1800s type situation. Like we, we both were teleported back in time because we're no strangers to time travel. We're both teleported back in time. And then you, mm-hmm. like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm across the Wild West. Would you travel across to reunite with me? Were we the only ones who teleported? Like, am I the only person who traveled back in time with you? Yeah, it's just me and you. Oh, yeah. If it's just you and I, then yeah, for sure. I would try to com- connect with the only person I know. Oh, but only that. What if it's like a bunch of people? What if it's like 50 people? Who are the people? Like, are they people that I'm close with? Or is it just um, just you that I'm close with and a bunch of other random people? I think uh, just a few people that you're close with, but mostly randos. Would you try to reunite with all of us? Or just like... Um, yeah, I'd probably reunite. Like if it was me and Don... Like if Don and I both traveled back and then the rest was just random people, would you just... Yeah, re- and I'd probably reunite with Don. Would you... But you, would, you wouldn't care about me? Sorry, I think we cut out there. Did you, did you hear me? I heard that you'd reunite with Don. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's part of what I said, yeah. Would you reunite with me as well, though, in that case? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, sure. Hmm. I feel like you're not being truthful but it's okay no yes of course i would of course i would although mm. i couldn't talk to you because we don't talk outside this podcast but yes of course yes never have never will <laughs> yeah. never have never will that even goes for the late 1800s 100 but i would i would find you and i would just nod mm. well that's kind of a communication so i'd have to find dawn first for sure yeah so that we can we can have some kind of a go-between understood because it's very important to just keep our episodes very authentic very authentic if we don't know each other very well because we don't communicate mm-hmm. communicate outside this podcast it makes it a very visceral experience is what i would say yeah we could launch the first podcast but adrian ever i was joking around but of course i would go find you come on thanks man i'd definitely go find you too yeah there was there was no my my, my audio feed didn't break out like i just said i didn't break up there i was just i was just making a jest a jest you're just being facetious I sh- sure. Can you just continue though? Because you said you were going to rapid fire that as okay, a starting sorry. of this segment of our show, and you specifically stopped after the very first movie. So I feel like rapid fire for you means something very different than it does for me. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. I'm going to continue. So the next movies coming out are coming out on Wednesday, April the 27th. The first movie is 365 Days This Day. It's a Netflix original sequel to the movie 365 Days, which is a sexy movie, Simon. Okay. It's the, it's the sexiest movie since um, Fifty Shades of Grey, Simon. Is it? Yeah. It's a sexy movie. <laughs> well, first of all, this is a terrible name. I agree. 365 Days colon this day. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a sequel to Kingdom Hearts, one of the spinoffs. <laughs> that's an inside baseball if you're a video game fan yeah kind of kind of joke there that's a this title makes no sense and also another movie that i've never heard of that's coming to netflix so mm-hmm. again 
kind of proves our point that they've got a lot of quantity, but not yes. necessarily quality. But anyway, next movie. Silverton Siege, Simon. This is a Netflix original uh, movie that's based upon a true story of a bank held hostage, Simon. Uh-oh. SpaghettiO indeed. And then the next movie that's coming out on this day is The Mystery of Marilyn Monroe, The Unheard Tapes. It's a Netflix original documentary looking into the mystery surrounding the death of the famed actress and model. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a Marilyn Monroe movie coming out with, uh, I've suddenly forgotten her name. Jerry Springer. <laughs> her name. Oh. Jerry Springer? It's the first name that popped in my mind. Um, Apparently. Clearly. Bill Maher. No. Bill Maher? <laughs> Mayor. Well, you said her name. So I was like, maybe it's Maher. In that case. What? In that case? <laughs> You're not even trying. Uh, anyway, she's in Knives Out. She's the main main actress. Oh, Anna Darmus. Yeah, Anna Darmus. Mm. Thank you. She's playing Ma- Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. And apparently that's very, as you called the other one, a sexy movie. Apparently that's supposed to be like very like... Sexy. I think that's more than rated R. Like whatever the upper echelon of, uh, uh, echelon of rated R is, that's what they're going for. Oh, they're, are they making a porno? Like porn? No. <laughs> that's, that's, I can't tell if you're serious. But uh, no, there's something above rated R. There's a rating. X? No. XXX. <laughs> no, it's... Um, hmm. I'm kind of confused. NC-17. Oh, okay. Why is it 17, though? What does it stand for? Man, I don't love acronyms. 17 years of age. No, because rated R is 18. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. But you know what I do know, Simon? Well, I'm looking it up because I'm doing Are you looking it up? my due diligence here. Okay, thanks. It's got Adrian Brody, Sarah Paxton from the Disney Channel, and uh, Anna de Armas in it. And the movie's called Blonde, and it's coming out this year. Oh. And according to The Hollywood Reporter, it got a the rare NC-17 rating from the MPAA. So. Okay. And if I recall correctly... The director, yeah, here it is too. Andrew D- Dominic, he was basically saying, I don't give a shit. Fair enough. Oh, man. He's like, it's an NC-17 movie about Marilyn Monroe. It's kind of what you want, right? I want to go see the NC-17 version of the Marilyn Monroe story. He's like, okay, sure, man. Cool. Yes. Super cool. Sarah Paxton. Oh, sorry. To be clear, this is the part that I was trying to read. I completely skipped it. Oh. If the audience doesn't like it, that's the fucking audience's problem. Whoa. I like that. It's not running for public office. Mm. Is what he said. Interesting. Sorry, that was literally the quote I was looking for, and I skipped literally that sentence and moved on to the other one. How foolish of me! But yeah, Sarah Paxton. You know, you know Sarah Paxton. Yeah, from the hit movie Aquamarine. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, what's that? Sadie's Sadie's Great Trip or something. Whatever. She runs a farm. Halloween Town. The but the third one, I think. Yeah, yeah, she's in Halloween Town. You know what I'm talking about, though—the the one with the horses. Uh, Dream Horse with Tony Collette. Sadie, it's Sadie. No, Sadie's something. Sadie's saddle or Sadie's <laughs> Sadie's land, Sadie's world. Sadie's saddle. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> Come on, throw me a bone here. Yeah, dude. The the hit movie Sadie's Saddle with Sarah Paxton. Throw me a s- saddle. Oh, 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 here it is. Naturally, Sadie. No, is that it? What the hell is that? I have no idea what that is. That's not it. That is a movie. That is a show, though, believe it or not. Hmm. Am I wrong? 
I don't know. She's just not in this. You're not helping. What are you doing on your end? I, I wish I could see you so I could throw something at you, honestly. I'm literally... <laughs> I'm literally Googling Sadie's Saddle Sarah Paxton and nothing. It's not called Sadie's Saddle. That was a joke. I was being stupid. You're not Uh, helping though. Sarah Paxton horse movie. She was in, it's not a movie. It's a show. Horse show. Did you not watch? Did you not even watch Family Channel as a kid? Darcy's Wild Life. Oh, I remember Darcy's Wild Life. Thank you. Who's Sadie? I have no idea. Shit. Uh, I don't know, man. Darcy's Wild Life. Yeah. That's right. I remember Darcy's Wildlife. That was the hit yeah. show on the Family Channel. Yeah, thanks for your for your help. Well, you kept on saying Sadie, Sadie Saddle. <laughs> There's some Sadie somewhere in there. Maybe her last name is Sadie. Uh, Adrian, what's the next movie coming out? Let's go. The next movie that's coming out is coming out on Thursday, April 28th. It's a movie called Bubble. This is a Netflix original anime movie with a very dope art style. Simon, it looks really good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Next movie. Yeah, there was a movie called The Bubble that came out earlier, which is like a couple weeks ago. This is not that movie. It's a different movie. Yes. Anyways, the next movie, movies that are coming out are all coming out on Friday, April 29th. Uh, the first one is a movie called Honeymoon with My Mother. This is a Netflix original Spanish comedy movie, but I don't really know what it's about because there's no write-up on Netflix. So I'm going to assume this guy goes on a honeymoon that he was supposed to go on, but his mom comes comes along. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, the next movie coming out is Rum Springer. It's an, an Amish in Berlin. This is a Netflix original movie, uh, presumably about, um, well, you know, an Amish in Berlin, probably. Oh, Alexander Skarsgård's character from The Northman is in Berlin? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what this movie is about. The Northman. The Northman's in Berlin. Yes. For some reason. It's interesting. Anyways, the next movie that's coming out is a movie called Crush. This is confirmed by Movie Insider in the trailer. This is a Hulu original you movie. Even, you didn't even correct me. You didn't correct me, and that was such an obscure reference that I feel like I can't make stupid jokes because you'll never you'll never go back and reel it in to the point where anyone will understand what's happening. You know, I'm not the greatest scene partner. That's all I'm going to say. Adrian. I'm, dude, I'm the greatest scene partner. You don't support me. You don't support me with the improv. You just I I always support. You don't yes and it. You just kind of yes and Alex and the Northman is in Berlin. Uh and and they and he built the Berlin Wall. Stop it. While he was there. Is that better? The joke is stupid. His name is Omleth. Omleth and you said Amish. So I was making a connection. It was a play on words. It was dumb. You're supposed to just back me up. Whatever. Stop your nonsense and move on to the next movie. Okay. Crush is <laughs> up next. It's confirmed by Movie Insider in the trailer. This is a Hulu original movie about a girl and her crush in high school. Now, is this coming to star? I don't know. Maybe. But we don't know because sometimes these Hulu original movies come out to Amazon here in Canada. It's true. Yeah. Anyways, next movie that's coming out is a movie called I Love America. This is confirmed by Movie Insider in the trailer. This is an Amazon Prime Video original movie about a woman who moves from Paris to Los Angeles. Wow. Yes. And then the final movie that's coming out is a movie called Memory, Simon. This is confirmed by Cineplex. It's coming to theaters. This is the Liam Neeson and Guy Pearce starring movie um, that you mentioned at the beginning of this episode uh, from the Casino Royale director named... Sorry, you're waiting for me to help, yeah. to help you out. It's like Martin something, isn't it? You, sorry, are you you looking to me from to me to help you? Yeah. Oh, perfect. It's Martin Campbell. I knew it. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Like the soup. The soup. Yeah. The Campbell soup. Anyways, that's it. That's all, baby. You know where Martin Campbell's from? Actually, I didn't realize this. No. Just looking through his his movie listing here. He he's from New Zealand, which is actually. Adrian, I don't know if you know this, but we are actually the second most popular podcast in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. I do know that. I do know that. So I feel like we should have a pretty good connection with Martin Campbell. I agree. Maybe we can have him on the show. Hopefully, one day. Yeah. Yeah. I'll reach out. We are in the in, we are in the industry. So. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Well, we're not. We're not really in the in the in the industry at all. I mean, kind that's of the, are. That's the joke. No, we really aren't. We're in Canada in a in a small town in Ontario. Mm. In reality. We're not even in Toronto. Or Vancouver. In, in which, actually, Toronto and Hamilton, apparently, they just started to film a, a Batman, uh, like a Hollywood Batman production. Did you know that? No. There's a bunch of Gotham police cars. Uh, can you guess which uh, which which Batman? It's a TV show. Can you guess, guess which one it is? Is it? Did I start to film? Is it The Penguin? I feel like you accentuated the ping in the penguin on purpose right there. And I'm not sure now if it is just a bit that you do that you don't know how to say penguin. It's penguin. But it isn't the penguin, um, Adrian. Oh, is it Gotham Knights? Knights? Yeah, it's the Gotham Knights. Did you just look it up or did you guess it? No, I guessed it because that's the only other Batman related thing I can think of. Yeah, I didn't even guess that. I, I completely figured it was the the Penguin series with uh, Colin Farrell, but it isn't. It's the Gotham Knights series, which mm-hmm. I'm not excited for at all. So I was like super excited because it was like, oh, they're already filming the Penguin, but they're not. They're just filming Gotham Knights. Mm. Yeah. So anyways. Boo. Boo. That's, that's all, baby. That's it. That's all. Oh. Let's wrap this baby up, Simon. Let's wrap this baby up. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good, Adrian. And um, all, all I'd like to say, I guess, before we do wrap it up, is that audience, you can subscribe to us on any podcasting streaming service that you've ever heard of, pretty much. That, that, that being said, what are those streaming services? Ones like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, mm-hmm. um, Amazon Podcasts, uh, etc. You know, there's lots of them out there. I don't want to name them all. But if you can subscribe to us and also review us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or subscribe to us or I should say follow us on Facebook or Twitter and potentially uh, write a little review there, it does help us a little bit. So, um, Adrian, I don't know if you've got anything else to say to our audience before we wrap this podcast up, but uh, I'll throw uh, I'll throw the floor to you and you can say what you wish. You'll, you'll throw Sadie's saddle my way. So I can ride us out. Yeah. The Adventures of Sadie Saddle. Sa- Sadie Saddle is, I believe it's called, right? Is that what I said? Yeah. Sadie Saddle. Sarah, Sarah Pax. Sa- the Adventures of Sadie Saddle on Family Channel now. Oh my God. Darcy's well. I have, I have to like sneeze really bad. There's like a tickle, but it's not coming. I hate when that happens. Up next is Sadie's Saddle. No, that's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, so give me your end lines, Adrian. I want to know what you're about to say before we wrap this guy up. We need to we need to go to sleep. Yeah, I, I have like a work meeting tomorrow morning. It sucks. Um but no, that's it. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up by saying that um Sarah Paxton um was in a show, not Sadie Saddle, was in a show called Darcy's Wildlife. And you know who else had a wildlife, Simon? Uh, I have no idea. Batman from Batman. No. Batman from Batman v Superman. Wait. Which is a good movie. It's a great movie. And uh, so is Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City Town. Place. Village. Is that so? Yeah. Is that so, Adrian? Yep. 
do you know what you just did wrong or are you just oblivious? Because I feel like this is a rough episode for you. Let me just say that. It's I'm really hyper focused on like having to sneeze. Nothing's coming. Yeah, I, I could I could tell because I feel like you're not in the zone. Like yeah. I feel like I have no support. You you know what? You're Jared Letoing me all this episode. This Don't is, you dare, dude. You that's, are. That's the rudest thing you ever said. You're just not supportive. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say. Okay, well, that's it. Uh, that's it, audience. Thank you for listening to the 95th episode of Split Focus, a film and TV podcast. My name is Simon Eady, and this is Adrian Pinter signing off. It is I signing off, and uh, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, and and uh, yeah, you, you know what's a good movie? <laughs> signing off. Yeah, you know, you know, Jared Leto, shit actor, but he's in a universe, and that universe is the Batman v Superman universe, and Batman v Superman's a good movie. Um, and so is Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon Town City. You know what you did wrong now, Adrian? No, what did I do wrong? You clearly signed out twice. I, you're not even playing into your own. <sighs> All right, that's it. Goodbye. Take care. Goodbye. Don't you dare call me Jared Leto. Hashtag no support. <laughs>